When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your main event, Mark's Podcast, brought to you by the Unhinged Sports Radio Network and the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. I'm your first host, lifelong wrestling fan, former radio guy, and cat dad, Troy. And with me, as always, is the WCW Watcher of Classic Wrestling and the main event collector. He's the Tully Blanchard to my Arn Anderson. He's Greg. What's up, Greg? What's up, guys? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I, I, maybe I should have made you Arn Anderson because he wasn't the one known for having a drug problem. And, <laughs> and uh, uh, you I just your said, whole two, life. Two. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> I forgot about that. Well, see, I, I told you, I'm trying to keep a streak alive of, you know, not yeah, I'll give you the intros. I'll give you the thumbs up for this one. Yeah. I mean, I could have went with the Midnight Express as well, I guess, but... I like this one. We've never went with these uh, with uh, Arn and Tully before. So Tully's one of them names that, you know, he was in the Four Horsemen with a bunch of other great wrestlers. So a lot of people forget him when they're talking about great wrestlers of like the 80s and 90s. See, for me, it's Arn Anderson. <laughs> yeah, him too. I, I, he doesn't get enough credit because, I mean, he was backing up Ric Flair. But Tully was great. If anybody goes back and watches his stuff when he was a singles wrestler before he was tag teaming, and then once he hooked up with Arn, even. I mean, they were they were fantastic. So, I don't know. Old school NWA, man. Some of it was really good. Some of it was really bad. And I think that, in a nutshell, sums up the show. Yep. <laughs> so, there's... I can't say there's a lot to talk about. because We've got a had, boot on this show that puts Herb Abrams to shame. Okay, I'm just going to say that right of, now. Mother of God. Can you, like... That thing, because... Uh, that was... If anybody's seen the movie Beer Fest, there's this thing where they drink out of a glass boot, and it's like a challenge in the movie. This one, you could fit, like, I don't know, at least 100 beers inside that freaking boot. That thing was gigantic. Like, it looked like a yeah. damn cartoon. <clears throat> nah, there's this UFC fighter. He's like a big old, oops, thing like Tua something. He, it's so gross, but he literally drinks a beer out of a shoe after he wins. Oh, I've seen that. And yeah. I'm like, this boot right here would even put like him to be like, no, nah, that's too much. <laughs> yeah, that's, this boot is freaking comically gigantic. Everybody, if, if you have I just seen... said it, dude, puts her bedrooms to shame, man. This is a boot <laughs> that's going to change wrestling. Not those stupid oh, yellow cowboy yeah. boots. <laughs> <laughs> well, and this one doesn't even have a logo on it. <laughs> but if anybody uh, has not seen Bunkhouse Stampede 88, you should just watch the end of the show just to see that damn boot. It's funny. You don't even need to and, watch uh, it, actually. First of all, listen to the show. And you don't even need to watch it. Of course. Don't look at it on YouTube. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're, 
You can find it. I'm sure you can find, you know, Google in it or whatever else. But, uh, you know, it's it's it, it, this is a show that, you know, it, it's not a a long show. There's only five matches on the card. Uh, all five of them are fairly long. So I probably should have we'll, looked at this, but was this a pay-per-view? It was. Mm-hmm. OK, because I did feel like it was really short. It was like a budget pay-per-view, like an in-your-house or something? No, it was supposed to be... I'm like, what, uh, two or three with this air? (laughs) Yeah, right. This was supposed to be a full-length pay-per-view, So, and we'll get into the timing issues, because there are some, because, you know, of course there are. But before we get into that, I'll ask you before leading into the news and notes here is a good segue, because we'll be talking about this as well. Have you ever watched the Royal Rumble 1988? I have. Okay. We, I watched now, it as a companion piece to the show you did that I was not on now in the archives. Yeah. Okay. Well, see, you said it, so I didn't have to. <laughs> so, yeah, because I didn't see. Sorry, I forget why, but I didn't record that episode with you. And yeah, uh, Jacob Grandi did, I believe. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The first time he was and, on, I believe. Yeah. And it's like, well, I'll watch it and then listen to the pod. It was kind of cool because, you know, I don't really listen back when I'm on it. I don't like hearing myself. But, like, yeah, it was cool. Yeah. And this took and that took place at the uh, Cops Coliseum in uh, I think uh, somewhere up in Canada I I can't remember off the top of my head it's somewhere it was, in Quebec um, I think was it Ontario Ontario yeah okay in Ontario Canada so uh, but yeah so it, it took place north of the border and then this one took place in New York which you know when I think of bunkhouse stampede I think of New York. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't think Roll Tide. Yeah, right. What the hell ever. But How about the we'll Cowboys? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, cause when I think of farmhands beating each other up outside of the old bunkhouse, you know, where do I think of? Uh, Long Island. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most magical place in the world, dude. Yeah, right? Good grief. Yeah, I'm sure that was the setting for a lot of uh, John Wayne films back in the day, so... Whatever. We're going to take our pause right here to tell you that the main event marks is sponsored by Fanatics. You can get all of your officially licensed sports gear with Fanatics if you click on the link down in the podcast description. And when you go to check out, let them know that the main event marks and unhinged sports radio network sent you. Also, we are sponsored by Swift Lifestyles. They're clean energy drinks and focus enhancers, great tasting vitamins, and big brain nootropics that are made and shipped from the USA. Go to swiftlifestyles.com and use our special promo code Main Event Marks. No spaces whatsoever. It is all one word, Main Event Marks, and that'll get you 15% off your order. Also, if you go to our Linktree account, it's linktr.ee forward slash main event marks. There you will see all the links that you need for the main event marks and to become a main event mark yourself. You can follow us on all forms of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and now Pinterest. Also, you can see all the links on there where you can find the podcast in your favorite podcast locations uh, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Spreaker, um, iHeartRadio, whatever. We are there. And you can follow us on YouTube or subscribe to us, rather, on YouTube. We are there. We are updated weekly. We got clips, exclusive content, and the shows themselves in long form. So go check that out. And our merchandise stores, our swag shacks, 
go check out our Bonfire and Redbubble stores. that have all the latest, greatest merchandise. Check that out if you go to linktr.ee forward slash main event marks and become a main event mark yourself. All right, we're going to take our first break. When we come back, we're diving into the news and notes from January of 1988. Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. Get ready to rumble in your new main event marks merchandise. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, masks, hats, stickers, pins, and much more on our Redbubble store. That's maineventmarks.redbubble.com. You can also pick up some awesome clothing items with the latest updated show graphics on our Bonfire store. That's bonfire.com slash store slash main event marks. Support your favorite retro wrestling podcast and pick up some cool swag on our Bonfire and Redbubble stores. That's maineventmarks.redbubble.com and bonfire.com slash store slash main event marks. Hello, everyone. My name is Ryan McCarthy, and I'm the host of the No Credentials Required podcast. Start your work week with the Monday Drop-In, where I talk about the sports beat in the Capital District, also known as the Mighty 518, as well as Metro New York sports from an upstate point of view. I also give a life lesson from a weekly sports story, so you might learn something from that. I also have a midweek podcast where I interview different sports personalities and talk about a wide array of topics. Take a listen and subscribe on your preferred podcast app, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and iHeartRadio. Also check out our social media channels on Twitter and Instagram, BellyUpNCR, and Facebook.com forward slash BellyUpSportsNCR. We're a part of the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network in association with Godzilla Media. No credentials required, where you don't need a press pass to talk sports. Marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Find all of our links on our link tree at linktr.ee forward slash main event marks. And we're back. And we're back. Time to dive into the news and notes here. Like rats from a sinking ship, Terry Taylor was pushed out of the NWA by those in charge, supposedly as a petty vendetta for leaving in 1985. The, uh, the Rock and Roll Express. So that was leaving to be the Red Rooster, right? Yeah. I believe it was Red. Wait, what year is this? 88. No, he's not even the Red Rooster yet. Wow, that's still to come. Ew, gross. Well, <laughs> when does he go Red Rooster? Is that nice? Uh, right before WrestleMania 5. I know that because he's at WrestleMania 5 as a Red Rooster. Okay, so uh, I wonder what he did between then because I. WrestleMania 5 is... WWA, probably. WCCW. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't think about that. Uh, but, yeah. Back when uh, you had also, multiple options. <laughs> yeah, we'll call them options, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, the Rock and Roll Express also quit right before the Bunkhouse Stampede because they were unhappy about their push. Dr. Death Steve Williams seems to be gone. I don't know who this person is. Sean Royal quit. Do you know who that is? Not off the top of my head. Okay, and uh, Chris Champion might as well have quit at this point. Eddie Gilbert, excuse me, Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert, hot stuff. also <laughs> he also went back to Memphis. So there you go. All left the NWA around this time. I'm sorry. I mean, Doctor Death had his appeal. Uh, you talked about it, you weren't really a fan. 
Uh, Eddie Gilbert had his appeal. Obviously, the Rock and Roll Express is a bad loss. Terry Taylor. Uh, Maybe back been, 47 more times. It's fine. Yeah, I feel like, and I feel like Terry Taylor had his appeal. You know, you and I liked him. I don't feel he got really ever got a good push, so he wasn't. I don't know, a top I guy. I disagree. Or, I think he was going to be a top guy. The Red Rooster, we squandered it, but that's just me. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, if it's uh, main eventing WrestleMania, our Red Rooster. He wrestled Bobby Heenan on that WrestleMania. So there you go. Man, that's yeah. <laughs> I can't keep it up anymore. <laughs> But uh, the, most of the names on here, it's like, mm, they can live without him. It's nobody that I'm like, oh, man, they lost him. Whatever will they do? But whatever. Despite hopes that cooler heads would prevail, Jim Crockett is setting up three offices in Dallas for himself, J.J. Dillon, and Dusty Rhodes to work out of, and they're all going house shopping. I, I, had, heard, I had heard about this on... Uh, Tony Schiavone's podcast because they were based out of the Carolinas and then North Carolina specifically, I think. And they moved from Charlotte, I want to say, to Dallas. For... Had to be Charlotte because there's nothing else in North Carolina. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, so I think they moved from Charlotte, North Carolina to Dallas, Texas, only for the fact that I think Dusty wanted to and Crockett went along with whatever the hell Dusty wanted, basically. And it was like there was no point. All the business was mainly done in Carol in North Carolina anyway, so it was a dumb move. And they didn't really do a whole lot of Texas shows, so it wasn't centrally located like Charlotte was. I don't know. So Tony Schiavone was saying it was it was a really dumb move, and nobody understood why, other than the fact that Dusty wanted to be in Texas. But it turns out that uh, speaking of Jim Crockett. Uh, he's in fact been, uh, mostly exaggerating the numbers of cable systems that the bunkhouse stampede pay-per-view was actually cleared for. And it's certainly not going to be anywhere near the 6 million that he's claiming. Plus they need to hit a home run with their first pay-per-view and they're barely even hyping up the show on TV. In fact, if this flops badly enough, it's probably going to discourage cable companies from even carrying the Crockett cup pay-per-view. Ouch. It, yeah, it didn't scare him off. They still carried it. But he – people didn't realize this. The very first ever – and this is way back. I'm sure oh, they way back doing – Yeah, right. They're, they're still doing similar stuff to this, but it's not the same. as the uh, closed circuit uh, show. Yeah, it's pretty much a dying breed at this point. Right. And I think they said that WrestleMania 4 was dead. Yeah. That's what I heard, so – and closed circuit, I think, was just they they only showed it in theaters in that area, right? I believe. Or okay, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I I never really understood closed circuit, honestly. When I saw Ross. I know they showed just it on my TV on pay per view. Well, never right. my TV. So always someone else bought it. But <laughs> <laughs> well, they they showed it in theaters, and that's the only way you could go see it. I, if you couldn't be there live, you couldn't order it at home. So you either had to be there live or go to the theater. And Jim Crockett was actually the very first to do that in wrestling with Stark 883. He beat Vince to it. And then Vince started doing it. And then Vince beat him to pay-per-view. So Vince was the big dog in pay-per-view. Plus, they were blowing out Crockett in every way, shape, and form, with number-wise. So pay-per-view providers 
always gave him the upper hand. And even when Turner bought the company later on, they still gave Vince more of the benefit of the doubt with things, and they screwed over Turner in a couple instances. Go back to our, I want to say it's Russell War 89 show that we did uh, a couple years ago. That sounds about right. Yeah. We talked about it in there, how Russell War was supposed to actually compete with WrestleMania, uh, and they chickened out at the last minute because of... It wasn't even a total Turner call. It was the pay-per-views uh, providers. They were like, nope, we're not going to air you at the same time as WrestleMania. Screw you. <laughs> so, and oh, then I mean, if I mean, looking back on it now, I get it. But yeah. Right. And we uh, also, another podcast in the archives we did with, or I did with Jacob Grandi was on Survivor Series uh, 87, the very first ever Survivor Series. And that was made to compete with Starcade. And Starcade wasn't a great show in 87, but, you know, that was their tentpole event. It took place on Thanksgiving, and Vince specifically made uh, Survivor Series on pay-per-view to compete with uh, Starcade. And then he told the pay-per-view providers, if you don't carry Survivor Series and you carry Starcade, you're not getting WrestleMania. So a lot of them chickened out, and they didn't carry uh starcade so that screwed over crockett big time i know we're getting kind of in the weeds here i am but you know still it's a lot of stuff a lot of that kind of stuff going on at this time everybody's I mean, this was counter-programmed by the rumble so and it was uh it was their first time on pay-per-view and vince was like well god dang it you're not going to be on pay-per-view that's my territory so he made the rumble on free tv by the way but anyway uh, now that Ron Garvin is no longer NWA World Champion, the Crockett Rugged shows... Ron Garvin. Oh yeah, excuse me. No, right here he was Hands of Stone Ron Garvin. He wasn't was rugged until rugged. he went to the WWF. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got a story about him here, in a, sort of about him here in a second. But anyway, now that he's no longer NWA Champion, the Crockett Wrestling Shows have returned to the top fifteen in syndication. Ouch. Hmm. <laughs> So nobody gave a crap about Ron Garvin. How about that? You know, I used to think the Ric Flair was just being a dick, but I guess not. <laughs> yeah, people really did not care about Ron Garvin. That's kind of sad. Uh, the thing I wanted to say about Ron Garvin was uh, my dad, like my my dad wasn't like a like a I can't say a fan of his, but like you know he. When he was watching wrestling consistently, Ron Garvin was always on TV, be it for WCW or WWF. And he was tell he would always tell me about the Garvin stomp and oh he would stomp on like all you know all the appendages of his body whatever and go like do a circle around him. And then Randy Orton debuted and he started doing it. My dad's like oh he's he's ripping off Ron Garvin. <laughs> let's uh, let's keep it moving here. <laughs> Uh, uh, the February 5th WWF main event show will either be a, the beginning of the end or the end of the beginning with tons of hype and Andre the Giant versus Hulk Hogan on top. There's no way that this show won't smash all ratings records in wrestling. In fact, given good numbers, it could lead to a weekly primetime show on the network. Pretty much everything Vince McMahon has touched in 1987 turned to gold and network TV honchos like the money. Well, I believe it's still the most it, watched match ever, right? Uh, I wouldn't doubt it. I, Hogan versus Andre was always just like 
freaking gold, man. You slap that on any card. It didn't matter what the undercard was. People wanted to see that damn match. Kind of like when you put Mike Tyson on pay-per-view back in the day. It's like people were going to order it. Yeah, for all, what, 90 seconds? I, my, my uncle, I, was, I didn't say this to him. It was like, oh, it's your own damn fault for being stupid. He's like, well, I only ordered one Tyson fight, and I'll never do that again. I invited everybody over. We were grilling out. We, you know, we were ready for this fight and whatever. He's like, it was over in 90 seconds. <laughs> I'm trying to figure like, out if you're a fan of the guy. Why is that not a good thing? Yeah, because he wanted I mean, to see like a, an, an actual fight that he paid, you know, however much for. Well, if if my guy's on top and winning in 90 seconds, I'm happy as hell. But whatever. Yeah, I mean. It, it depends. If, you, if you're having people over and you want to see a good fight, I, I think that's what he was expecting was it was going to be a good fight. And, it's like, and he must have not <laughs> did his research. <laughs> I know. It's like, dude, nobody was going to give Mike Tyson a good fight in his prime. Sorry. Uh, it's still not known where WrestleMania five will be held, although it's not in any domes because they're all booked up on March 27th. Uncle Dave says that he doesn't, or that he does know that it's a 20,000 seat arena somewhere, although it's a closely guarded secret for whatever reason. Wow, well, that's not big at all. Yeah, right. I know it's 20,000. Oh, really? Yeah, that breaks it down like every arena. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not a dome and it can hold 20,000 people. Oh, man. Like you, you really, you're clairvoyant. I uh, think AEW's going to be there. Um, Next, uh, in February. Trump Plaza? Or whatever the hell it's called? Yeah. Is, is it still Trump Plaza, or did they rename it? I don't it? think so. It's in something else, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, this... Going uh, off the crowd last it. night, uh, I don't think they should be going back to Jersey, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah, right. They are uh, dead. They, I read ahead uh, one week, uh, just for a little bit of news here, and the very next issue of the Observer uh, after Bunkhouse Stampede. They actually know by then that WrestleMania is going to be at, at Trump Plaza. So within a week, everything kind of changed. It's, it's sure a little different. Oh, well, yeah, he just he wasn't allowed to say for, you know, reasons. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a little different from now, though, where it's like they've how far ahead was it three or four WrestleManias they've already announced where they're going to be? They don't have 40 announced yet. They have 39 next next year in uh, Hollywood. Okay. Uh, Joel Watts has been working for the WWF's TV production team post-UWF, but has quit and, in fact, is out of the business altogether. Oh, no. No. Who? <laughs> I don't. Uh, for people that don't know, Joel Watts is the other son of uh, Bill Watts. Eric obviously went into... Wrestling, sort of. That's what you want to call yeah. it. Yeah, became a huge star. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, well, he was Troy in Techno Team 2000. So I'll bet you, you go. love that. Damn straight, I did. It's a main brother in there, dude. I had a I had a poster of him. <laughs> uh, but uh, Joel Watts was always on the production side of everything, and. Honestly, I didn't know who the hell he was until I started listening to podcasts. And like, uh, I'm today years him. old. I find out who he is. <laughs> yeah, like, well, Tony Schiavone loved him. I want to say Eric Bischoff knew him and liked him. Uh, Jim Jim Ross loves anybody with the last name Watts. So that's you know whatever. I think even uh, Bruce Pritchard said he loved working with him. 
So I see a pattern there with around. Bill's kids. And... <laughs> yeah, right. Everybody loves his kids. Everybody hates Bill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, for for many reasons. And, and Bill had a very self or very inflated uh, self image. I'm going to say. To the AWA, where the Midnight Rockers are the new AWA Tag Team Champions all of a sudden, because the company didn't have the Tag Team Champions under contract, and both Randy Rose and Dennis Condry gave notice at the same time because they weren't making any money. Well, Condry was on a guaranteed contract, but after Rose quit, Vern Gagne decided to cut Condry's money on the spot, and he quit as well. Technically, yeah, right. Well, your partner's quitting? Well, I'm taking your money. Okay, well, bye. Uh, Lover boy, Dennis Country, by the way. Yeah, I did. Somebody, somebody had a smart ass comment. And they were like, "Wait a minute, Dennis Country quitting without notice? Perish the thought." <laughs> <laughs> uh, technically, in the match that was taped, there was a double pin, and the referee declared the Midnight Express as the winners. But since they weren't coming back, they just had Stanley Blackburn quote review the footage and declare the Rockers as the new champions. Ugh, man. On a crappy way to win? Yeah, right. Why did they never win the, like, you know what I'm about the Rockers? They never won the tag team championships, like, just straight out. Yeah. They won, the one you know, the, the cannon. Yeah, the rope broke, right? <laughs> yeah, so they just scrapped the match and acted like it never happened. Yeah. Or Marty and Sean. Because, you know, Sean never went on to do anything else after that. <laughs> This was his defining moment right here. Maybe Marty can find somebody else to, you know, kill behind a bowling alley, you know, whatever. Good Lord. For anybody out there, uh, the police looked into that. If if anybody knows the story, the police looked into it. He he didn't kill anybody. He was making all up. So. Yeah, he needs to go back to just being the guy who tells white people how to be cool in black clubs. Yeah, and literally work for what he said. He yeah. Instead of going full Joe Dirt on, it's like, <laughs> well, uh, this girl I'm dating, she might be my daughter. We're waiting on a DNA <laughs> test. Would it be wrong if I slept with her? This is all real. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yes, Marty, it's very wrong. <laughs> Why do we need to say this? <laughs> Guys, messed up in the head. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not you, Marty. It's your kids. They're all left up from being inbred. No, no, it's just Marty. (laughs) (laughs) Good grief. Uh, Oh, here you go, man. Things are looking up. (laughs) Well, things are looking up for the NWA, dude. Here we go. The Nasty Boys are rumored to be bound for the AWA soon. What a get. Damn Shut up. Take my money. Knobs, sags equals money. (laughs) I can watch the pit stop like 24-7, dude. Never get tired of it. Yeah, right? That's the hey, greatest finishing move in all of wrestling, man. Better than the 3D. <laughs> Which now apparently belongs to the Usos. Well, you remember how uh, TNA built that up for a while? They were like, oh, it's a dream match. The Nasty Boys versus Team 3D. <laughs> the match we How do you win in 1997, dude? <laughs> like, what? Like, why, why, how is this a dream match? And I, I know you... I. I don't think you like the Nasty Boys at all. Uh, I could give them their... I wasn't a huge fan, but I could give them their due back in the day. Like, they had some pretty decent brawls and a couple good matches back in the day, but... (sighs) Who the hell are you appealing to? 
I don't know. Uh, everybody from Pity City. Either way. Well, and, and here's another one. AWA is looking up, man. Uh, Tom Zank debuted for the AWA as a babyface. Oh, the F and Z man, dude. Damn straight. The Z man. That's. I want to be careful because he's passed away. I want to talk to you a little bit, but. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't think he was ever bad. He was just kind of there. Well, apparently, he thought he was bigger than everybody. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just going off what I've heard or told. Well, hey, Tony Schiavone says he's a beautiful man, and he has a man crush on him. So, I mean, if if they're... If I was more of a Paul Roma guy, but, you know. <laughs> if I ever had them tendencies, he'd be the one. Uh <laughs> But that's the reasoning behind why Nord the Barbarian isn't getting a big push. Despite his insanely popular car commercials, they feel that if they make him a big star in wrestling, he's just going to go back into selling cars for his family anyway. <laughs> yeah, he's not going to go on to be the Berserker. Yeah. Nord the Barbarian. What was the... That doesn't the, the, sound like a made-up name. That sounds like a real thing from, like, the... Uh... The old, uh, somewhere I'm looking for. Well, what's that one? Barbarian days. What's the name of that, uh, that time period? <laughs> I, I don't know. The <laughs> Viking times. Yeah. Uh, but what's, is that, uh, Hagar, the, the terrible, or Hagar the Barbarian or whatever from the comic strips? Maybe. Yeah, something like that. If it that. was WWF, I'd say yes. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's what it, it I always think of that when I hear Berserker or whatever. Fun fact, Here's he was some, the Viking in WWF for like a week or two. Yeah, right. Well, just like the Canadian earthquake quickly switched to the earthquake after like a couple of weeks, right? Why, are Canadian earthquake a week or something? I never got that. Well, they're more polite about it. Well, well hey, he, he got a figure out of it. As we speak, it's coming to stores. So, yeah, because, you know, I always wanted an earthquake figure with a giant Canadian flag on his chest. Well, I, I kind of need it. I'm kind of a completist. And you have to get all four to build Jimmy Hart, so there's that. Oh, well, well, that one, yeah, okay. Uh, the Von Erichs Over America Tour, real name, has been canceled because promoter Chris Corey scheduled a wrestling show and a or as a double bill with a women's tennis match. The tennis promoter pulled out. The tennis promoter pulled out, and they canceled the show altogether. Von Eric don't so, look like that. How <laughs> <if> I know? <laughs> it's, uh, man, whatever. Well, it's well, it's a double bill, so that means you get a wrestling show and a women's tennis match. Oh man, you hit the jackpot! I know. I need tread to be lightly. careful. I'm gonna tread lightly on this one, but. <laughs> I need to be careful here talking about the Von Erics because apparently that pisses people off. Oh, when we get that's stuff wrong. I thought I was like, yeah, I don't want to be insensitive to women's sports, but you went another way. Okay, that works too. Yeah, well, <laughs> that, that I, I see what you're saying, but uh, for anybody that's curious, the Von Erics Over America tour was Fritz going on a national tour of cities with world class, or that world class typically didn't run, like in the Crockett and WWF areas in the north and east for basically what was house shows. Uh, they drew about 300 people and or, or so for the first few shows and then scrapped yeah, the dude, rest the APW draws more than that. I know. It's like, dude, you can't even fill up the rec center. What the hell is wrong with you? 
that one was embarrassing. It's like you should scrap the tour, not not because of the women's tennis match, but because of that. <laughs> By the way, this was before the. There are like superstar female tennis players now. Back in '88, uh, who the hell was there? Maybe that uh, one that uh, Emma, uh, what's her name, played. You know what I'm talking about? I don't know. It was in that movie Battle of the Sexes. It was like Steve Carell and Emma blanking on her name. Uh, final story here. This one I just thought was funny. Uh, Uncle Dave reports that, quote, Big Ben Vader is being played by Leon White, and he debuted in Japan. Dave also thinks that it's ridiculous that Takata would be made to do a job to him. Oh, man. Heaven forbid the Japanese guy loses. <laughs> right. He's like, well, you just bring Leon White in here to... to you know, be dominant. It's like, dude, you'd be touching yourself to him within a couple of years. Shut up. <laughs> By the way, Big Ben Vader, for God's sake, Dave. Uh, I, I well, didn't think he spoke. I thought it was a real thing, and he changed it to Van. No, it was it was Big Ben, or it was always Big Van Vader, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know. He he always got that crap wrong. He called him something else, like, in the previous issue. I didn't care enough to look it up, but he got it wrong then. He got it wrong again. <laughs> it's like, called how, him the Mastodon. Many, it's like, how many weeks does it take you to get this guy's name right, you dolt? No, right, I was going to call him, they were going to call him Big Ben Vader, but plans changed. All right, hashtag plans changed. By the way, now a shirt on our uh, bonfire store. Go check that out. All right. You can get all the links on linktr.ee forward slash main event marks. Click on the bonfire link and you can get a T-shirt that says hashtag plans changed. Be a nice conversation piece when you go to hang out with uh, friends and family. They're like, what? You can be like, look, you got to listen to this podcast. It's called the main event marks. It's on is it's available wherever you get podcasts and it's on YouTube. Check it out. See what I did there? I just, I, you know, I, I helped everybody promote our podcast to their friends. Accidentally shilled is what you did. That's brilliant. Yeah, sure. Accidentally. <laughs> but all right, we're going to take uh, our next break. When we come back, we're going to dive into the actual event at hand. It's the Bunkhouse Stampede Finals right after this. Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. This message is brought to you by belly up sports. No, just kidding. This is not an NWO promo. This is just me, Kyle Sullivan, AKA Shaggy Von Doom, the host of here in Puckburg on the belly up sports podcast network. I have a hockey podcast where we talk about hockey fandom and the love of the game, and where that leads you in this this game we call life. Why am I on Main Event Marks telling you about this? Well, what if I told you I had one half of the world's greatest tag team, otherwise known as the Main Event Marks, the one and only Greg, Superfly Greg. He was on, and he was talking about his love of the game. So you might want to come over and check that episode out. If you like what you hear, you can check out the rest of our incredible episodes with our incredible hockey community from PHF, athletes, ESPN personalities, fathers of NHL players, and a whole lot more. Come by, follow the show, give a like, give a subscribe, and it'd be great to have you here in Puckburg. But enough about me. Let's get back to what you're really here for, the main event marks, because they are the cream of the crop. Oh, yeah. 
Main Event Marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Find all of our links on our link tree at linktr.ee forward slash Main Event Marks. And we're back. And we're back. Now it's time to get all, you know, rednecked up and go down south. Yeah, hang on, hang on. Let me get my let me get my Mexican side off and get my white my white side on. Okay, cool. Yeah, you got to get go. all neon whited up. All right, I got my cowboy hat on. Right. I got a chew in my pocket. Got some lottery scratches. My Mexican ancestors can forgive me for this right now. Okay. Yeah, right. Yeah, we're we're all gonna take we're all gonna take a left turn and uh, get in dive heavily into this one. Uh, it's the NWA Bunkhouse Stampede Finals from 1988. Took place on January 24th, 1988, at the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum in I can't stress this enough in Uniondale, New York. I feel like there was yeah, I feel like there was a big event there. I just can't remember. Was it was it part was it one of the parts of WrestleMania two? Uh might have been. I, I want to say yes, because it didn't take place in MSG, which threw me off. I was like... I might have been actually on Long Island, actually, because I think Zack Ryder said he was, or Brad Cardona, whatever, was there technically because his mom was there, but she was pregnant with him. I holy think, crap. I think that's... Yeah, it's on Long Island. I don't think it's this one. Okay. Yeah, I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but... He, yeah, he counts WrestleMania 2 as WrestleMania because he was in his mom's womb. <laughs> oh, for God's sake. <laughs> this is real, by the way. Well, I don't doubt it for a second. <laughs> the attendance was 6,000. Yikes. What was the uh, capacity? The Coliseum originally had a capacity of thirteen to 15,000 people, depending on the event. Uh-huh. Uh, and then the capacity so, uh, it so was yes, increased. It, sorry, oh, it, did, it did post one of the parts of WrestleMania 2. I thought oh, so. Okay. okay. There you go. I thought that was the one. Uh, it was in, it doesn't say when, but it said it was the capacity was increased with renovations to eighteen thousand. So I don't way, think you want to be saying that out loud. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So this one wasn't even like fifty percent full for bunkhouse. That's pathetic. There's a couple of tidbits about it. That's where Shawn Michaels returned at SummerSlam, and. Huh. This part sucks. This is where Draws got his career-ending injury in 1999. Damn. That sucks. So I guess we're looking it up. Yeah. Well, hey, at least it held some happy memories, like this one. Well, and also Roddy Piper and Mr. T in a boxing match. That's a happy memory, too. So there you go. Oh, yeah. Right? uh, Wasn't uh, Sky Lolo there? Who who was the little dude that was with... (laughs) Mr. T. I can't um, was that? Wasn't the Haiti kid? Yeah, Haiti kid. Okay. Yeah. One of the, yeah. <sighs> anyway, uh, pay-per-view buy rate for this one was 3.5, which amounted to 200,000 buys, which was higher than I would have given it credit for, but here we are. Before the event lo- aired live on pay-per-view, by the way, Sting and Jimmy Garvin defeated the Sheep Herders, Butch Miller and Luke Williams, by disqualification in a non-televised tag team match. I never liked the Bushwhackers. I'm just going to say that now. I care if I take heat for it. Yeah, I never I never liked them either. I, I will preface that by saying I never saw their work as the Sheep Herders, but I can guarantee uh, you wouldn't have liked it because their whole shtick as the Sheep Herders was blood and guts and hardcore stuff. So 
And we know that uh, that Butch doesn't wash his hands, so there's that. <laughs> he doesn't wash his hands after taking a poop. Is it Butch or is it? Oh, whichever the one that one the one that crushes. yeah the one that wasn't on crushes yeah. So See, I care about them so little, I don't even know which one's which. Yeah, right. So whichever one is not on crutches, he doesn't wash his hands after pooping. So there's that. Literally goes back to shaking people's hands at WrestleCon. <laughs> That's not a joke, by the way. Uh, so man, I, now I'm wondering what he did during COVID. <laughs> maybe maybe after all them years of licking heads, he was impervious to, to COVID. Yeah. Real quick, one of my favorite memories when I told you, like, hey, um, dude, Bushwhacker Butch doesn't wash his hands after crap, and so we'll go meet him. And you said, yeah, because I was totally going to make a beeline for his table. <laughs> <laughs> well, point taken. <laughs> I don't think either one of us were chomping at the bit to go meet the Bushwhackers. <laughs> I mean, it's true. In prior weeks of TV, it was mentioned that the Rock and Roll Express would face the Sheep Herders at this event, but no explanation was given as to why it didn't happen. Behind the scenes, both Morton and Gibson had left the promotion the day before. Yeah, so there you go. How can you walk out on a big money match with the Sheep Herders, man? On the pre-show. Yeah. That's, uh... Also, I want to say they were, I mean, they, I don't think they gave a name, maybe, but I think on an old episode of Family Matters, they were the sheepherders because they were like heels. Sheepherders were heels, really? right? Yeah. Yeah, I think there were sheepherders on there. Wow. <laughs> That's nuts. Uh, but it's funny to me, by the way, that Tony Schiavone is the ring announcer for this show. <laughs> and boy, was that mullet high and freaking tight. <laughs> that uh, mullet, that stash. He's had some looks over the years, man. Do you remember that uh, time he showed up in TNA with the Kiss shirt and the Hawaiian shirt? Uh, Kiss t-shirt, Hawaiian shirt over it. He had blonde hair and a mustache. <laughs> yep. <laughs> do you remember blonde-haired Tony Schiavone with a mullet? I do. No. Yeah. And that was another one. <laughs> yeah. And uh, some of the outfits he would wear at pay-per-views, man, it was like, uh, okay. But this first match is Nikita Koloff defending the NWA World Television title against beautiful Bobby Eaton, who had Jim Cornette in his corner. It went 20 minutes exactly. We just start the show, by the way. Uh, no pomp and circumstance. Bobby Eaton gets a jobber entrance. He's already in the ring. And Nikita just comes out. After that, then we go to Bob Cottle and Jim Bross standing in the uh, entryway for whatever freaking reason. And then we go back to the match. Uh, so this one was rest hold central and super boring. In the end, Nikita hit the Russian sickle on Eaton and goes for a pin, but the time limit has expired. I fell asleep with my eyes open while watching this one. Never thought I'd say that about a Bob Eaton match, but here we are. Uncle Dave counted a total of four things that happened in this entire match, and the rest was a hammer lock. He gave it negative two stars. I gave it one star. Let's say you... I gave it one. I did fall asleep during it. <laughs> this sucked. Uh, so much ass. First of and, all, Nikita Koloff is never that good. And second of all, Bobby Eaton uh, is a perennial tag wrestler. So, uh, Yeah, but Bobby Eaton was good. So I was like, I expected something out of this. But I'm like, man, at, first of all, I saw Nikita Koloff in 20 minutes. And I was like, you got me hooked. <laughs> 
<laughs> this one, I was just like, why? And after I saw this, I was like, please don't set the tone for the rest of the show, or I'm in for a hurting. And luckily, it does get better from here on out, but wow, that sucked. After the match, Nikita scares Cornette into dropping his tennis racket, and Nikita picks it up. Eaton then grabs it from him and beats him with it. Uh, Sweet Stan Lane then runs down, and the Midnight Express double team Cole off until it gets broken up. So, I don't know where this is going. But Where is Ivan? Is he not there at this time? He's in the main event. Yeah, I know. But I'm like, is he not there yet, or what? Well, well, no, he's a heel. And I guess Nikita is turning babyface? I I don't know. Because he was babyface for a while, but I don't know what the timeline. Otherwise, this was heel versus heel, and I'm just confused. So, see, I didn't realize that Ivan was the heel until you just said that. Yeah, Ivan. I didn't know what the hell's going on. It might help that context these shows on our part, but you know, I'm not going to watch every damn thing building up to the pay per view. I'm sorry. Hell no. (laughs) I'm I'm good. Yeah, if any of you listeners out there, if you know more about it than we do, please hit us up on social media. Don't be a, a giant Richard about it, but you know, at least let us know. Uh, we love to uh, have the record corrected on us, so you know I'll I'll say it on the podcast. Even I'll give you a wow. that is correct. Not gonna drop your pants to show your ass crack, are you? <laughs> Good lord! Uh, no, I know it's a different scene, but they just all run together to me for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, but up next, we get Barry Windham defending the UWF Western States Heritage title against Larry Zabisco with Baby Doll in his corner. This one this one went just over 19 minutes. Zabisco gets thrown into the ref at one point, bumping him, and Windham rolls him up. However, the referee is knocked out and he can't see it. So Larry takes his time to clock Barry in the head with Baby Doll's high heel shoe of doom and then pins him for the title win. Uncle Dave gave this three and a quarter stars. I just gave it an even three. I like both these guys. What say you? I gave it two. It was not bad. So you weren't you weren't uh, real impressed by this one then? No, but it was better than the last one. But again, I don't know what the hell that's saying. That's not saying, yeah, that's not saying much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you were more in line with, if I remember correctly, like the a lot of people were like... They weren't blown away by this one, but they were like, eh, it was fine. Uh, but I don't know. I really liked it. I like Wyndham, and I like Zabisco. So, I don't know. I thought they did well. The ending was just – seems like NWA just abused the hell out of the, screw, the screwed finish back in the day. So, it was either a tie or a screwed finish. Like, Wasn't that a dusty know. thing? Yeah. Uh, can't have a clean finish, baby. We're going to save uh, that for somebody, somebody else. <laughs> yeah, clean finish is, is only for me, baby. We're going to leave you right where you at. <laughs> but we now get another one of those skips in the video where it says, presented in the most complete form possible due to original production technical difficulties. Go freaking figure. I like it when I see that because it just like, makes me wonder, what the hell was it? Yeah, I know. It's like, And I did go back and Google it, and I couldn't find anything, so... I'm wondering if it was like I, uh, it. I even banged it, dude. Nothing. <laughs> wow. I, I'm I'm wondering if it was like the original production or if it was more of an issue with like it was on tape and they didn't store it properly. Uh, that would be uh, that would be a good guess. Maybe something happened to the original master tape. 
Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. They probably didn't store it very well because, I mean, even Eric Bischoff talked about back in the day, it's like there wasn't a market for that kind of stuff. So it's like, you know, who cares, you know? And they didn't do a whole lot of pulling of video. So, but, uh, yeah. No, I still laugh, very... by the way, because they couldn't find the master tape of that Tom Zink, or not Tom Zink, uh, I was saying Tom something and Bret Hart, but uh, Master everyone lost their crap too. Yeah, Tom McGee. Tom McGee, yeah. Remember, no one could find that tape, but a fan had it. Like, yeah, how? it was like a trade, a tape trader thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, It still yeah. gets me because it's not like you recorded via fan cam because Gorilla Monsoon was doing commentary and stuff. I'm like, I never understood the whole thing. Like, I was completely lost on that. Yeah, right. I Like, where the hell was it? And then Conrad got it, and then miraculously, the WWE had it. So, Conrad I thought that was going to surprise me. No, yeah, no, that one, that one didn't surprise me. It just like, it was funny because he was like, well, uh, when you're at StarCast, you can pay to come watch this match and like a little makeshift theater, or whatever. And WWE's like, oh, no, 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 we're going to give it away for free on the network. <laughs> and I watched it. I'm like, I'm glad I would, I didn't pay for it because that'd be something I'd be pissed about. Like, what was so special about this? I know. It was kind of dumb. You and I both watched it. We were just like, okay, fine, I guess. But uh, so we're starting right off in the mid. I, I don't really think anything had happened by this point. It was basically the beginning of the match anyway. I think it just cut out the entrances. This one is Ric Flair with J.J. Dillon. He's defending the NWA heavyweight title against Road Warrior Hawk with Paul Ellering in his corner. Went about 21 and a half minutes. Shocker, shocker. Flair gets busted open. Uh, near the end, Hawk bumps the ref with a flying lariat. When Hawk hits a superplex and has Flair pinned for a long time, J.J. Dillon comes in and hits him in the back with a chair. Only th- That only pisses Hawk off, and Hawk strangles him. Uh, Flair then hits Hawk in the face with a chair, and the referee slides in, but Hawk kicks out at two. Finally, Flair hits Hawk in the back with the chair right in front of the referee and gets disqualified. Uh, I said the ending of this one really sucked. Uncle Dave called this an excellent match at times, although the finish with Flair just using a chair for the DQ was weak. He gave it three and three quarters of a star. I gave it three and a half stars. I thought it was really good. What say you? I gave it three considering it was Hawk. And I love the LOD, but they're not singles wrestlers. I'm sorry. Yeah, no. Yeah, Hawk did The fact really that it was well this here. good? Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, if you had to pick one to break out as a singles guy, it would be probably be hawk uh but yeah so this one it was it was pretty good uh they were trying some stuff at the time with you know seeing if they could do single stuff i mean animals coming up in the main event uh, hawk did a few things here and tagged with other people off and on but yeah i don't know you can give most of the credit i'm going to say to rick or rick flair here yeah i mean that's kind of obvious i guess but hawk held his own Either way, uh, after the match, Hawk beats up uh, Ric Flair and then tosses him outside of the ring. Uh, Paul Ellering then gets in to uh, hold Hawk's arm up in victory as Ric Flair leaves with a big gold belt. Well, that brings us to, uh, well, well, we'll cover this right before we get into the main event. Between the matches, Greg, while the, mat- while the cage is being set up, do we get interviews? Do we get a play-up package? Do we get anything like that? Nope. I don't know. We get we get Bob Cottle reading the damn credits. 
And then Jim Ross shows us clips. Got to fill time, dude. Yeah. Well, and then Jim Ross shows us clips of what already happened earlier in the damn night. What a waste of pay-per-view time. If I had paid money to see this, I would have been furious. Like, really? You're, like, if if you, like, divide up, you know, how much you're paying per minute, how much are you costing these people here to read the credits out loud? Now, I forget, the credits roll after this pay-per-view? No, they, they, while they were, they rolled at this point, and then while they were rolling, Bob Cottle's reading them out yeah. loud. Freaking I miss that? Stupid. Uh, I don't know. It was while they were. I might have seen it and fast forward to this part because I had no interest in hearing what we were going to say. Yeah. I I was fast forwarding through it because I knew, like I'd seen the beginning of it and I knew it was coming, and I'm like, oh my god! And I just fast forwarded, and then I would stop fast forwarding every now and then, and I'd be like, oh, they're showing a clip of what already freaking happened earlier in the night. Okay. So fast forward. Now I'm looking at. Sometimes I'm looking back at my notes and I said, did like an earthquake happen or something? And they had to pause everything because he was out there too long. Yeah. That was my, that was my note. Like what the hell's going on? It reminded me of that that stupid cage. Right. But like, it didn't dawn on me. Nine, nine. So you just said that. Okay. It makes sense. Right. Um, do you remember that episode of, um, not episode was a pay-per-view. I think it was like hard justice and they caught on Mm. fire. And oh they did yeah. they didn't tell us that it, I mean they did afterward after the fact, but we didn't know like like it's just focused on like the announcers and they're just talking, clearly filling time and Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I got flashbacks to that during this. Yeah, I can't remember what they what they had done to to fill time, but uh like you were saying, but yeah, Jim Cornette well, actually can started doing they, they started doing interviews backstage and then a brawl broke out and Ah, okay, yeah. Now, see, if they would have done, why didn't they do interviews here? They had everybody ready to go. They could have even filmed it earlier in the night. They knew they were going to have a break here. Why? Why did they waste everybody's time? Like uh, WWF. <laughs> WWF took huge breaks during a lot of their big pay per views back in the day, and it wasn't even to set up cages. They would just like take intermission. It seemed like, like I don't know. No, it would, it would literally be intermission. I remember watching when I was a kid, and the timer would come on the screen. Fifteen minutes, we'll be back. Yeah, Roland soon needs a crap break. Like I don't know, because it's like they they would do the intermission, but they would have constantly rolling interviews throughout the whole thing. So yeah, but a lot of them were not pre-taped either. You can tell because like certain guys were completely sweaty and like demolitions uh, face paint would be off and stuff. So those could have been live. I don't know. I'm I'm not going to comment on that. I don't know, but. Well, they might. I mean, even if they were live or pre-taped, either one, it's like they WWF knew. All right, we're going to have intermission. We need to have something that fills it instead of Gorilla Monsoon with his thumb up his ass for 15 minutes trying to fill time like this. It's just I don't know. This just showed why Crockett was in the state it was and why WWF was beating them at every aspect. And say what you will about the quality of the matches and whatever. I know a lot of people will say, well, they had better quality matches, whatever. It's like, yeah, but who knew? Nobody was watching them. People, more people show up to see Hogan pose and to watch Ric Flair wrestle. Let's be real. Yeah, I know. Uh, but, yeah, we're going to take uh, our second to last break here. And when we come back, we're going to get into the main event, which is the Bunkhouse Stampede Finals right after this. 
follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on twitter at main event underscore marks and on instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector hey gang it's commissioner cooper of tss fantasy we are the fantasy show of the people expert fantasy advice free contest leading expert medical and legal analysis and most importantly you Interact with us on all social media platforms or check us out at tssfantasy.com. You can hear us on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and many more. Check out the fun today and be a part of the most interactive fantasy show around. TSS Fantasy, the fantasy show of the people. Marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Find all of our links on our link tree at linktr.ee forward slash main event marks. All right, we're back. We're back. This one is the main event. It is a steel cage bunkhouse stampede. The competitors are Dusty Rhodes, Tully Blanchard, Ivan Koloff, The Warlord, Arn Anderson, Lex Luger, The Barbarian, and Road Warrior Animal. This one went almost this all six and a half sense? minutes. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Big sweaty men all in a cage. Slapping meat. Yeah, I was about to say that. I was like, Big meaty men smacking meat. God dang it, pal. Anyway, Stop. Uh, <laughs> this one went 26 and a half minutes. Uh, I love how the warlord is wearing a lifeguard tank top. Like, okay. And then... Uh, Arn Anderson is wearing a uh, belly shirt. <laughs> yeah, he did that a lot. Um, yeah, we, we, reviewed, we reviewed quite a few shows, and I guess I never, well, neither one of us ever commented on it, but yeah, he wore a stupid, like, belly shirt so much. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was, was fascinated. The Warlord kept his name everywhere. And, yeah, like, I even know. as a singles and as a power of pain. Look at it now. That would never happen. I know, it's with like... A, with like so, few exceptions, it's like CM Punk, but... Yeah. Well, I'm wondering, it's like, so did he trademark Warlord? And Yeah, like, yeah right? I mean, I assume. Yeah, it's like, so I'm wondering where he started, because I always thought he started off as the Warlord in the WWF, but and maybe he did, and Vince just didn't hop on it back then. But I, I don't know. Well, he definitely was the powers of pain in AWA. Yeah. Well, uh, Barbarian, too. He kept his name everywhere he went. I mean, yeah, he was, um, C, uh, what was it, Sioni or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, for a while. Yeah, he was. That was he after was, when he was like with the new head shakers. Right. Yeah, that was, that was after this. But, um, yeah, still, it's like he, he still kept the name Barbarian everywhere except for that very short stint in, uh, WWF. But anyway, uh, to the actual match here. Koloff gets busted open, Tully gets busted open, Animal gets busted open. After a while, Dusty takes off his belt and he starts whipping everybody. (sighs) Country whipping match. It was kind of funny because he takes off his belt and he just starts like swinging around and beating everybody. (laughs) Like, damn, Dust. Uh, But Dusty's left arm gets cut open and is bleeding at one point. I always thought that was disgusting when they bladed their arm. Like, Ew. Ivan Koloff yeah. is the first to be eliminated by Animal being dumped out over the top of the cage, which I'm just going to take a quick pause here. How impractical was this match stipulation? You have to yeah. dump 
your opponent over the cage and out of the ring. Um, it looks okay. like a TNA Russo setup. Yeah, I was like, well, like, who's like? Uh, if you don't want to get eliminated, don't climb to the top of the cage. I know. It's I like think. just I don't I don't know. It was just really stupid. It's like, and you can't. There are no surprise eliminations. Like, I mean, there are a little bit when we get to you know people going through the door and everything. I don't know. I just think it was a dumb concept. Because, like, when I first heard of it before seeing it, I always wondered. I'm like, how would that work? Like, I don't – like, you have to I mean, drag I the guy up the cage. strong enough to put him on your back and climb up there with him? Well, we did establish that they are big, meaty men smacking meat, so. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Animal then uh, kicks Warlord through the door, and his own momentum takes him out of the cage, too, eliminating them both. <laughs> I'm so stupid. <laughs> yeah. At first, I was like, was that supposed to happen? Because it looked like he slipped. And I'm like, eh, I don't know. Uh, Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson both work to get Luger out of the door, and their momentum causes all three of them to fall outside. Because they're all stupid, apparently. We're now down to the Warlord and Dusty Rhodes, who, you know, those are the two I would have called. Oh, I had the Warlord winning this whole thing, so I don't know what you're talking about. Well, of course. I mean, if it comes down to those two. <laughs> We've already cage, alienated people now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, outside of the cage, Paul Jones hands brass knuckles to Warlord. Paul Jones, we have like a bazillion different gimmicks and stables and everything else, by the way. I don't think those brass knuckles ever came into play, did they? Uh, like, no. Yeah, I don't recall seeing the Warlord use them. I don't know. But either way, they both end up battling up to the top of the cage, and Dusty beats the Warlord up and then hits the bionic elbow, causing Warlord to fall out over the top of the cage to the floor, giving Dusty the win. Uncle Dave thinks that Luger probably should have won it, and apparently most of the locker room did too, according to Tony Schiavone. But people wanting the blood and gut stuff were happy with this match. Uncle Dave and I both gave it three stars. What say you? I gave it two. I thought it was a cluster. It was a bit of a cluster. I thought it was fun, though. I, I kind of like this kind of stuff. So it was just, what was it, eight guys just beating the tar out I of each other? I feel like I cage. knew who was going to win, but then it was like, this is lame. <laughs> like, I was like, yeah. I'm trying to find the words. Like, I knew who was going to win, and like, oh, when he won, like, oh, wow, he won. <laughs> Yeah, well, of course it had to be Dusty. He's got to get that giant, big brass boot. He's like, it's going to go that's right kind of what gave room, it away. That's kind of what gave it away. Isn't it? Yep. Like, what the hell was Road Warrior Animal going to do with a giant boot? <laughs> Besides him and Hawk trying to see who can drink the most beer out of it. Like, I don't know. It was dumb. That one. <laughs> wow. Uh, but Dusty Rhodes celebrates with a giant brass cowboy boot and the, I believe it was $5,000 or $500,000 check. I, I think that's what it was. The crowd loudly chanted refund at the end of the show, and there are two speculated reasons as to why. The obvious possible reason is anger over Dusty Rhodes winning. The other is because the first printed set of tickets said that the start time of the show was 8 p.m., the second set of printed tickets said that the show started at 7 p.m. 
The actual show started at 6.30 p.m. So everyone... I know. So everyone ended up missing a good portion of the show that they paid good money for. Yeah, man. Think about if the ticket says 8 o'clock and the show started an hour and a half before you even walk in the building. Hour and a half, most of the time people are still standing in line, to be fair, but... Yeah. Well, you think about an hour and a half. If there's the pre-show match and then you know, the at least the first two matches. So the only things you get to see are like the last two matches on the freaking card. I would have been pissed. Well, kind of makes no sense, but... Yeah. Well, overall, Uncle Dave called the Battle of January 24th a stalemate. Both shows were about what he expected out of them, which is to say nothing special. In particular, the Royal Rumble show loses a lot of the glitz that Saturday Night's main event on NBC has for obvious reasons. The Stampede was better than Starcade overall, but he thought that it was a slap in the face of viewers to not explain what happened to the Rock and Roll Express or Sting. In fact, they'd been pushing a Rotunda versus Sting match on TBS just 30 minutes earlier leading up to the show. Man, can't believe we lost that match. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm not, to to preface this, I'm not crying that we didn't get to see Sting versus Mike Rotunda. (laughs) However, if you're, you're literally talking about the match on the, like, the play-up show, and then you get to the event, and you're like, oh, nope, didn't happen. We forgot. Prove it. (laughs) Yeah, like, this, NWA was a mess, man. I will say, though, if I had to pick one of the two events, because I did not like Royal Rumble 88, uh, I think this one was a little better match quality-wise. As a show, like presentation-wise, obviously the Royal Rumble wins because WWF, their presentation was second to none. But I don't know. That's just me. Either way, we're going to take our uh, last break here. When we come back, we're going to tell you what's to come on the podcast as well as the final ratings for this show. And after this, follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. My name is Thomas, and what's your name? Uh, I'm Alan. Alan. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. We're brothers. That's right. Yeah. yeah the mother, that. same mother and father. Your room was. Oh, we shared the room. Shared a room. For we right? shared the room. Thought I knew your face. Yeah, we go maybe. way back, mate. Yeah. yeah. We should do a podcast then. Uh, we have. We do. We do a podcast. We do a podcast. What's it called? The Roadcast. Yeah, that was planned. Yeah, yeah. Well, what do we do? Well, we cover all different things in the world of pop culture. We're talking about comic books, we're talking about professional wrestling, and we're talking about movies. Go back and watch classic retro wrestling events, the likes of WWE, WCW, and if you do like that, you can check us out on Apple iTunes, also on Podbean, Anchor, and on Podknife. Also check us out on Twitter, at The Broadcast. That's B-R-O. Yeah, hey, it's all right. Good on you. Yeah. Instagram also at the broadcast podcast. Remember, we don't spell it with a C. We spell it with a K. Sorry, mate. Take it easy. The main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Find all of our links on our link tree at linktr.ee forward slash main event marks. And we're back. We're back. Final time today, 
Internet Movie Database gave this 5.7 out of 10. CageMash.net gave it 4.86 out of 10. I gave it a 7 out of 10. I gave it like a C minus. I don't know. What say you? Solid D plus. Yeah, so not far off from me. I don't know. I didn't regret watching this one other than that first match. That first match was just god awful. Olin Shoe Ugly. But Cowboy Boot Ugly. Wow. Uh, if you had to, and I'm pretty sure I know your answer, but if you had to pick this or Rumble 88, which you think was a better show? I guess by default, this. Yeah. Like I said, match quality-wise, yes. Uh, presentation-wise and everything else, Royal Rumble 88 is just, I mean, you got a professional-looking promotion and then this freaking honky-tonk regional promotion. And they were trying to go national, but come on. They were drawing 6,000 people in an arena that held at least 15. It's pathetic. And they're doing a southern-themed show in effing Uniondale, New York. <laughs> they know damn sense. I I don't know. I never would have caught that until you said it, honestly. <laughs> wasn't one of Dusty's uh, more brilliant moves, I'll say. Yeah, but it's just honestly, how many brilliant ones did he really have? Yeah, and during this time, the wheels were really starting to fall off of things, and uh, people were really getting tired of Dusty Rhodes and his booking. I guess Tully Blanchard walked up to Jim uh, Jimmy Crockett and literally told him, he said, well, Dusty Rhodes needs to figure out how to book himself against Dusty Rhodes. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so I don't know. It was There was a lot going on at this time, and then I, I think the Brain Busters, you know, Tully and Arn, I think they were about to – Weren't they out of here within a, a little while? Or am I getting that confused? Is this January 87? 88. 88. Yeah, mm. they're about to be out. Yeah, yeah. So they're going for uh, greener pastures in New York. and Yeah, kind of sad that they didn't take Rick with them. <laughs> but either way, uh, that does it for that. It's the NWA Bunkhouse Stampede Finals, their very first ever pay-per-view for Jim Crockett promotions, by the way. Just got to point that out. Uh, but this Friday, we're not done, because this is a double-day event week, and this Friday, we're bringing you a very special bonus show that you all voted on, and it's one of them, like, um, we had a tie of the top two, and we, we treated it like the Senate, you know, where it's like whenever it's a 50-50 tie, the vice president has a breaking tie, uh, the breaking, a tie-breaking vote. And Greg and I had the tie-breaking votes here. We picked the NWO and WWE. So that's what we're covering this Friday. I'm trying to gather as much news and notes as possible, because you and I had talked about this before on a past life, but we didn't have all the resources that I have in front of me now. So we can get a little bit more in-depth and, and with uh, with certain things and kind of go over it there. I, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to it. I think it'll be fun to talk about. Uh, and yeah. then... Uh, I'm already ready, so <laughs> yeah. it was fun. I watched most of the shows that they were on to take notes. So. Wow, that, that must have taken you just uh, three hours. <laughs> uh, I only watched I the did. video stuff, so it wasn't a lot. Yeah. But I went to every Raw SmackDown pay-per-views, which, again, wasn't a lot. It was only from February to uh, early July. So, yeah. Really? Wow. Yeah, yeah that's nuts. But either way... 
there that's uh that's coming up this Friday for the bonus show. Like I said, NWO in WWE. And then we're closing out the month of January. First month of the year is about to be in the books. It is WWF Royal Rumble 2001 coming at you on January 26th. So look out for that one. It is our second and final Royal Rumble of the month. And then looking ahead, I'm not going to tell you what's coming up just yet, but looking ahead, I am excited about what's coming up uh, next month in February. This is the shortest month of the year. We're packing a lot into it, baby. But uh, thanks for joining me today, Greg. Mm-hmm. And we will see you all next Wednesday. Well, we'll see you all on Friday with NWO and WWE. And then next Wednesday with Royal Rumble 2001.